welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. I'm Chiaki, one of the editors for Anafem. You can find me at, at Chiaki747 or Animated Empress on Twitter. Today, we've got a solid crew here with two of our latest additions to our team, Lizzie and Mercedes. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Um, I'll go, I guess I'll go first. Um, my name is Mercedes, and like Chiaki said, I'm one of the newest additions to Anifem. Um, I am a freelance writer, freelance transcriptionist. I do a little bit of Japanese to English translation. And you can find me on Twitter at Pixelated Lenses. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm always I'm also the newest member on Anime Feminist. I I'm Lizzie Visitante. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lizzie Visitante Downs and uh, have a website also with the same name. So yeah, um, what do I do? I do mostly critical analysis pieces and just all, overall like to talk about anime. All right. And so today, uh, thank you for joining me. We are going to talk about our latest favorite anime, I guess, BNA, Brand New Animal. I'm so excited. <laughs> me too. I'm so excited. Where is fun. my persona? I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, BNA is about Michiru, a, a, tanuki, a raccoon or tanuki, depending on who you want to side with, her or the rest of uh, Beast Kind, um, trying to become human again after being uh, weirdly transformed into a furry. And uh, all the uh, crazy things that happen uh, throughout uh, Anima City, uh, what is supposedly a a safe haven to beast kind. And the reason why we're covering it is it, it does get messy at spots, but a lot of the show hits a lot of very pertinent issues uh, about oppression, race, uh, racism, uh, religion gender it's it's a lot and strangely enough it is only 12 uh episodes long yeah which is which is i mean they do a lot in 12 episodes don't they they really do i mean i feel like it was 12 episodes but it's so energetic like so many things are happening so fast like it's sometimes i did find it difficult for to breathe a little and especially for the characters i feel like they never get a break because something's always happening even in the next scene episode whatever mm -hmm. it was fun mm -hmm. to watch though i never got bored of it. it was really enjoyable it was really mm -hmm. enjoyable uh you know let's let, let's cover a little bit about the show itself so bna is made by trigger uh from the creators of uh, Kill la Kill and Little Witch Academia, of which it's directed by Yo Yoshinari of Little Witch Academia, mm. and it's written by Kazuki Nakashima, who wrote Kill la Kill, Tengen Topa Gurren Lagan, and Romare. Mm. So a lot of uh, yeah. good I, shows that people have a lot of opinions about. And <laughs> I mean, like BNA has some big Promare energy. It's got very big Promare energy in a lot of ways <laughs> like it definitely reminded me of Gurren Lagann a little bit in terms of like how energetic all the characters are mm. and how like 
just vibrant the animation was like there's never a moment anybody took a break so that that's fun mm-hmm. and i'm not particularly a major trigger anime fan per se but from what what i understand it kind of builds as a typical trigger anime as in it kind of keeps building and building and building and building and building and building yeah 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 and they don't stop (laughs) they keep going Mm -hmm. so let's hear a little bit about um your personal history and general feelings with this show uh you want to go first uh lizzie uh sure i mean what i thought about the show ultimately was at first it it was a lot of fun i mean there's not a moment i was bored but definitely, I think the messaging was really, really mixed, right? So, yeah, I have a lot of, co- I have some complicated feelings about what the show was trying to say. And there were plot holes, there were a couple of plot holes I noticed as well, I guess, because they had more important things to explain. But, but yeah, I mean, that's initially what I thought of it. I mean, definitely we can go into all those things about what about the show was messy in a second? I mean, I, I share a lot of the same thoughts. It definitely, I would say the last arc is pretty messy. But it, it I mean, it has that kind of trigger buildup of like something happening that you don't expect. But I, I really overall, I actually really quite liked it. I I think it's nice to have Michiru as the main character. She's a really interesting character to view everything that's happening in the series through um i i really just liked a lot of it i felt like a lot of it hit on a lot of very pertinent things Mm. i mean i i know that this was there was no way that like trigger new 2020 was gonna happen but a lot of it is really quite pertinent and just really i think pretty well executed like um I just overall, yeah, I just liked it. I just really liked it. It was really good. It was really fun. Um, it was really heartfelt. Um, yeah. Mm. Messy, I, I, but good. Yeah, I really want the art on a mug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, just, mm-hmm. I, I just want that art all over my yeah. wall, the ending theme art. It's just so pretty. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that was uh, actually apparently outsourced to a... Uh, western i'm not sure if it was an american or canadian i know the artist the lead artist is vancouver i think or toronto um i mean that that ending art was beautiful so pretty it was so good Mm -hmm. yeah no it 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 definitely caught um my attention to the show i Personally, you know, like just just saying here, I am a full fledged furry uh, for the last uh, four or five years. I've just embraced it. I'm a cat on the internet, whatever. Um, but this this show really just kicked it into overdrive for me, as far as like how furry I am, mm-hmm. like in presentation. I'm not gonna lie, like I want to swan dive into the furry fandom after this. <laughs> Listen, like, I'm. I'm I'm a I'm gonna confess I am a fur furry as well, but you know those like, heard to hear heard to hear folks. I mean, on like bet- between B stars earlier this year, which made me think, hmm, B and A 
it just embrace me, embrace me. I'm here and I'm ready for it. It's so good. It's so good. I love, I love the animation in Beastar, but we could talk about mm-hmm. that in another podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like I'm, I'm all I'm going to say is I'm glad that the furries, I'm glad everyone who's a furry is getting their year of anime. Right? Absolutely. And we manga matter. too. Mm-hmm. We matter. Like live your truth. Feathers and all. Yes. Well, I guess, I guess, I, I guess feathers technically aren't for I'd, feathers, scales. It all, I'm, it's all, it's all good. I'm Yay. new. I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, like for me, that's primarily why I started watching because it's a furry show, and I really like furry animals, animals mm. and characters. Uh, but what really caught me was definitely sort of the social. Uh, social justice angle I think yeah. was trying to take all the um, a- as you said you know pretty messy at parts but also like very pertinent and interesting references that's I sometimes go wait y'all like actually included that reference mm-hmm. here and mm-hmm. you know like there there were moments where like wow this thing is kind of really woke um, yeah it, it it kind of I don't I don't know if either one of you all saw Promare. I haven't mm-hmm. yet because I, I want to, but it hasn't been accessible yeah. to me. What yeah. it was nowhere near. I, so I, I guess I I guess removing spoilers from it, it follows a lot of what Promare tried to do with speaking to like social injustice. But I feel like BNA pulls off a lot of it and is very aware, mm. um, mm-hmm. which is which is like definitely in its favor. It's really, mm-hmm. it's really quite aware at sometimes. Um, it's real, just oh god, it's just so good, <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot to unpack because the show really throws a lot of allegory for us to like pick apart and want to, you know, want to dive in deeper. For me, it was a migratory bird, like yeah, like <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, like what was his, what was the bird's name? Uh, like Pinga. 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 Yeah, for Pinga, for me, what really what really brought to mind for me was this whole thing about like issues about civil rights movements when you want to homogenize experiences, like oftentimes like specific realities are ignored. Like when you think of you know like the LGBTQ movement when it excluded like trans women or qt bipoc folks you know what i mean by bipoc is black indigenous poc qt queer and trans right and or the women's Mm -hmm. rights movement where Mm -hmm. you know it was most it was very much like white women centric especially if you look at the suffrage movement right Mm -hmm. and did not take account like like women of color etc so it like it kind of made me think about that like pinga's whole story arc because when they got when they got like human rights like all of a sudden you know their right to freely fly across the world was taken away you know because now they have to stop Mm. at borders get checked in yeah you know so so and yeah for me that was like the moment where i was like wow you actually included that because you know borders are fake that's a thing that a lot of people like a lot of people who have had migratory um, traditions or, you know, in the past uh, settled in a whole vast swath of area, but 
has been you know separated or segregated because of political forces that are beyond their control yeah yeah like that like was like wow you actually referenced that yeah in an anime i mean when when bna is on it it's really on it and it doesn't it i like that it doesn't sugarcoat like the issues of borders or the issues of you know discrimination like it's not at all there's nothing gentle about it because in reality those things aren't softened right i really really like that it just kind of puts it out there and it's like yeah like this is something that in this world people have to suffer with and i thought it was really interesting because you know right now in in our world japan is dealing with border issues so for this anime set in japan talking about borders when real life japan is struggling with that i was like oh wow <laughs> it's just really like bna knows what's up yeah mm-hmm. and like it probably also goes into that whole rhetoric about nationalism and problem and all the problems that come with that you know mm-hmm. so yeah so you know just going into that then uh we can talk a little bit about how some of these issues come up in bna and mm. overall it just kind of seems throughout the show that being a beast man in a human world kind of sucks yeah it really does um, yeah <laughs> um so like there's so many things that the show really captures it goes in you know as you said it goes in hard human trafficking um poverty um like misogyny as well misogyny yeah yeah. forced experimentation as well they they Mm -hmm. mentioned that. yeah yeah the forced experimentation especially Mm -hmm. i i feel like when they brought that up and then late you know laid it over the holocaust i was i was one of those people who felt a little concerned i like do you really want to go there i was very anxious when they did that also because i i feel like um i'm trying to like there's there's plenty of examples in anime where the holocaust or world war ii has been used the one that ironically came to mind was a centaur's life where they used it and it was this really not good table setting. I feel like somehow BNA actually kind of pulled off integrating it into the storyline a lot better than it could have been. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, because I, I, I feel like actually what it showed was that Beastmen have always been, it kind of paralleled like real life with minorities. Beastmen have always been here. Um, and they've always had to deal with, you know, the, these really horrible conditions. And I actually felt like it wasn't perfectly integrated, but it actually kind of gave some consideration to, you know, like World War II is something that is still a problem that we deal with in real society. Um, yeah. I have to give some credit. I have to give credit to Trigger. Like it could have gone one of two ways and it thankfully went the good one where like, yeah. it wasn't just this shock value thing. And yeah, I mean, definitely I was really concerned about, you know, cause I feel like the, the Holocaust is always like the imagery of that has always 
been, I think, at some point overused. But yeah. I get the point that BNA was trying to make about how Beastmen, like, they're not, you know, in the, in the context of the show, they're not seen as human. And you bring that back to world world issues that, yeah, unfortunately, the bodies of, like, marginalized people like at, at, at some points in history have not been seen as human there's been like you know you bring up issues of scientific racism or forced sterilizations that there's right. so many examples of that all over the world and you know or even the tuscany uh project right so yeah the yeah the the uh tuskegee yeah um, thank you yeah, you said yeah. it better <laughs> i'm bad at pronouncing <laughs> things but yeah so i get what they were trying to go for i mean but I'm not sure, like, it just kind of, like, stopped there. I didn't do much well, with it. So, I was yeah. Gonna, I was going to say that was kind of my problem was, like, it could have actually been a really powerful thing, but it's just dropped. Like, because it's, yeah. um, mm-hmm. it's the mayor. The mayor is the one who, like, brings it up, right? She mentions, um, she mentions that I believe she was in, like, a camp. Yeah, and she was. And it's, mm-hmm. it's this... It, I kind of wanted them to bring that full circle because it's brought up and then it just gets dropped because the plot just very soon after goes in a very different direction. Um, and it, I I suppose I was just thankful that like they didn't misuse what for a lot of people is a very painful narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, that's the issue with BNA. Like they bring up a really good point, but then they kind of just like drop it. Like when they mentioned in the earlier part of the series, like, oh, misogyny exists, but they don't do much with it. I mean, the only yeah. positive representation of beast men that we see is uh, the mayor. Um, Michiru, I don't know if I want to count her, but she was like, she was a human that turned into a beast, you know, via, you know, pseudo via like injection and so there but there's not a lot of a lot of really good positive representation by actual beast women like just the mayor i'm not sure if i can count the bunny grandma who did human trafficking i was gonna say bunny grandma is not yeah no no. (laughs) grand grandma you cannot you cannot say grand grandma is a good person or rabbit by any measure given yeah and that and that and that's kind of like what i mean about the lead and that's kind of like what i mean about the leadership like in terms of positive representation it's just the mayor and that's it you know bunny grandma's there but she's like a villain and a trash you know i mean like i look because because she's my favorite i'll say that nina is some pretty interesting female representation but that might just be that might be because I really, really like Nina and I liked her entire episode. So she was so sweet. I like Nina in the sense that she's a very uplifting and hopeful character. Like, I'm glad that she maintains um, hope for human and beast men, you know, beast kind like, to coexist mm-hmm, and continue mm-hmm. to hold, like, frank exchange. Yeah um but she's definitely a kid and she ultimately you know just like michiru is a kid who has never been around real beast people um she herself is a beast person who 
has never been around humans so she's mm. very naive and i think yeah. they both characters have a lot to still learn at that point yeah 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 Cause, and i think i think that might be actually why i like nina because nina felt very much so like um i think how a lot of young um i almost called young people does that make <laughs> me sound old i the teenagers i think that's how a lot of people who um are encountering like racism for the first time outside of their environment like mm. i felt so bad for nina like i cried <laughs> i yeah. cried when they put her in that water tank i was just like oh no this is not gonna end well <laughs> yeah like, and i get that and i, I was, get that i was so sad but i did appreciate that Michiru felt really uncomfortable at that party. She couldn't put her yeah. finger on it. But when she saw like Nina be put into that tank, that's when she was like, yo. And she was a good she's such a good girl. I love that, you know, she got Nina out of that mess. And um, I don't know. Like I wish she kind of said more to the humans who treated Nina like a spectacle. But yeah. But yeah, but I, like I, I think too though, like sometimes the reality is is like you're you know a person of color in a really weird situation and you don't know what to say you just want to get away and yeah. I actually I actually kind of like that that's the route they took because that felt very that felt like a lived experience is yeah sometimes you're a woman or you're someone who identifies as a woman and you're also a minority and you just want to get out of there you don't want to be around um even if there is something that you could say you just you're afraid and like it felt like it, it felt like two teenagers, two like kids who really just didn't know what to do. And I kind of like that. Yeah, I, I've definitely been in a party situation like that where, you know, I'm a person of color just sitting, you know, standing there. I, I approach somebody like, you know, I don't feel it's totally comfortable there, but I start to approach someone and I talk to them and suddenly they say, start saying really, really crazy things. And I'm like, hmm right okay well i'm gonna be over here now and realizing that i have to be home now uh, i gotta wash my hair bye right. yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah like being in those environments where you experience a lot of microaggression can really take its toll on you because you know especially if you're like a marginalized person like like in, in a lot of spaces I've been in, and there's always been like a lot of like white folks who've made jokes, like you know, like ethnic jokes that, that I'm I'm supposed to consider funny, but it's not, right? Right. And you often have to like do like awkward ways of to get out of the situation and be like, this isn't my space. I'm just here for work and bye, right. you know. But I like mm -hmm. how real it was for when Michiro felt that discomfort. She didn't understand why. She felt uncomfortable, but you know, later in this in the scene, we see why that is. You know, yeah. So. But you know, I think if you have a fairly good understanding of entering a ally, you know, quote unquote allyship space like that party that Nina and Michiru wind up in, yeah, you know, the red flags are there from yeah. the very beginning. I mean, yeah. it was it was pretty well telegraphed how bad this was gonna go from the start i mean like gosh mina you sweet baby angel you you little you little cute dum-dum like <laughs> i mean like it i felt i but like i you know watching it i was like oh wow i have absolutely been this 
dolphin <laughs> beast woman <laughs> before because i mean she walks into the party and the moment the moment she reveals who she is everyone's like oh my gosh we got a beast woman and then they put her in that tank because they're like oh nina needs to get refreshed and they put her in that tank and for a moment i was like have none of them looked up what real world dolphins do <laughs> Did they not take biology class? And even prior to that, they make her go into a pool and have her do flips for them. Yeah. I mean, it that scene falls just short of them throwing her a fish. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, the fact that this whole sequence takes place in a Beastman themed party. It was like, for me, uh, when I first saw it, I immediately said, oh, it's like that time when the one like Asian kid shows up at the China themed, you know, frat party yeah. and everyone's like, yeah, cool. We got like a, we got like a real Asian here. It's like, <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, but that, that, that is, that is absolutely the vibe though is like Nina shows up. They've all got their cheap, like they clearly went to the hundred yen shop mask on and then like nina shows up and they just go wild and they're like oh we got one we have our token beast woman like hooray <laughs> it's i i but i i do i mean i just like because that that scene that whole scene is really when like i was firmly hooked on bna because michiru does she demonstrates this real genuine like she can't put her finger on it discomfort and it just really sets up like everything that kind of happens after with her having to deal with like I'm a human but now I've got you know I have this like mixed race heritage now how do I deal with the fact that like I was born into the group that's oppressing the people that I'm now a group of and it's it's this mm -hmm. really I, I it's just really interesting it's just really quite interesting and yeah yeah I, I cannot express how much I like this show <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a, so much fun. I think I resonated with my my favorite tired dad, like Shiro. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. in the first episode, I was like, you're tired. I'm tired. I like this show. I was like, I related to his tiredness. Speaking <laughs> of things that uh, got me like fully on board the show, like I was pretty on board the show. But what I, what really sold me about this show? Let's talk about the bears. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's the so bears. good it's so good bears are we talking about the baseball bears the baseball yeah okay, okay. I, so like that whole baseball episode inexplicably hilarious in so many moments the dodos were not meant to survive anything <laughs> felt so bad i was just like oh it never ends well for them it just never ends never well, ends well. Never. Nothing. Even the show had to remind us that just dodos are just not meant to survive and nothing. It was such At a least they, episode. They lasted longer than real dodos though, because I mean I guess 2020. Wait. Wait, you know what? They yeah. they did. They, they did. got a couple hundred years. because well, like dodos went extinct in like the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. So yeah, they got they got a few extra hundred years. That's, That's pretty sweet. good. That's pretty good. Yeah, that whole baseball episode where the point is is like you murder each other while playing baseball was really, really funny. It's just really because it came out of nowhere. Like 
I wasn't expecting it to be literal murder ball, but <laughs> and that's and that's kind of funny too. Michiru at first is forcefully joined because she sees that it means something to them if they win the game, but the moment it was offered that they're gonna get paid if they lose a game, you know, it was just the whole dynamic changed. But I I don't blame them. I mean, they're poor, you know, like. Yeah, like they want money to survive, and yeah. So I don't know. It's just it was just kind of funny because Michiro was like, I felt like her emotions were all over the place in that episode. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> but it also kind of confuses me though because I'm like, like because later on we find out why these people go wild or whatnot. So I'm like, so if it wouldn't poverty cause stress? So wouldn't you do something about that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it 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 did make me like once once the big reveal of like there's a genetic factor that like stress makes beast men go wild i i did kind of think but like there's a lot of beast men in anima city that are living in incredibly stressful situations do you mean to tell me that like they're just okay <laughs> yeah that didn't make sense to me at all and then eventually like because there's a lot of stereotypes associated with the Beastmen. And mm-hmm. I hate that the show, for the most part, doesn't really do anything to challenge those, those notions. Yeah. Most of the time, those stereotypes are proven right. Oh, they're like uncivilized. Oh, they're emotional. Or they're all these things. And therefore, they should not like coexist with humans. And they have to just disappear. And I'm like, okay... I'm not comfortable with this message. Yeah, like that really um, hit me with, it was especially with the baseball um, episode, mm-hmm. because you had Dante, the, you know, the washed up coach who is actually the first Beastman, you know, um, baseball player in a human league, according to canon, like, he used to be in the baseball leagues, but then he got kicked out for going berserk and, you know, I guess slaughtering half his team on accident. And there's a lot of, the, you know, I got some Jackie Robinson vibes from him. Yeah, I was I was going to say this. This episode gave me a lot of, like, famous Black people who were baseball player vibes because yeah. of, like, specifically because of how, like, Dante's kind of storyline was handled. Yeah. yeah, and like the thing about Jackie Robinson was he was very much, you know, in peaceful demonstration, you know, not being violent mm-hmm. and just playing the game and being like a good example of, of you know, an African-American in the sporting world to break down those, you know, racial barriers. Yeah. And I think I felt like ending Dante's stint in the majors or at least the Japanese uh, leagues um with violence kind of felt very cheap or rude (laughs) and to an extent in the context of the show not the end result for him but i understand why he became so bitter because i like the flashbacks that we get about how just awful he was treated by his teammates from like the crowd and just it took an emotional toll like on him that you know and i can only imagine like in the real world like how much Jackie Robinson and or other athletes as well who were the first in any game like how they must have 
dealt with all the that racism, the microaggressions, both in the locker rooms, by the crowds, like yelling racial slurs at them. All that stuff really takes a toll on you physically and emotionally. And I often wonder, like, what kind of help, if any, did they get like outside of that to deal with that trauma, you know? Right. And I mean, I would assume kind of much like in BNA where inexplicably there's no beast man therapist, which (laughs) I kept, I kept thinking about that. I mean, like in the real world, like, I mean, you know, minorities still struggle with getting good quality mental health care for things like microaggressions. I mean, I'll, I didn't have, I didn't have a therapist who was um, like, who who was a minority until I moved to Japan, <laughs> right? Like I didn't have a therapist who would be considered a person of color until I moved to an Asian country. And so like, I assume like Jackie Robinson, much like me, just for most of his life, didn't have any help, right? Like, yeah. just kind of like, you know, I, I would imagine at one point he was probably told like, suck it up. And like expected to just kind of move on with it, which is like a really horrible thing, right? I mean, because those mm-hmm. things hurt. Um, I do want to say I find it inexplicable that like the mayor has not set up a counseling division. If if she knew that like Beastman going getting angry was a problem, could we have therapy? <laughs> I mean, I mean they do have a social work worker department headed by Shiro Ogami. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I feel, but I feel like like most canceling, he's like the only one on staff. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's the one doing literally the physical and emotional labor. Yeah, like, mostly wait, oh, physical. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's that. There's that chicken and couple with I, I don't know who, what kind of yeah. animal his wife is, but yeah, those two who do things as well, I guess. Yeah, and I and they're they're very sweet. Like they are admittedly yeah. very sweet. Um, like. Yeah, I mean that that whole I mean Dante's backstory just like gosh, what a I I like I like that his backstory was fleshed out because it does it I don't humanize. I don't know if that's the right word to use for Beastman. It it makes him a more full character. Um and you kind yeah. of see like why he's become the way he has. Um mm-hmm. versus him just being like, "Oh, he's just an old cranky man who like is taking money under the table." Like you actually see yeah, if if a person is put through this specific kind of, you know, series of incidents and series of racialization and series of, you know, really harmful, aggressive actions, like, yeah, it's 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 a wonder that Dante's not a meaner person. It's a wonder that he's like not a much more harmful character, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, though, like, you know, you know, taking money under the table so your team could lose, it's not the best thing, but. Yeah. Uh, that's tough, because I feel like most of the, the city is run by the mafia, you know? Yeah. So that that's another thing that the show also presents, but doesn't really do much with it. I mean, at the end of the day, they worked with Shiro to stop the, the big threat by the right. end. But yeah, I mean... That's just, another, yeah like i just find it interesting the show brought that up but didn't do much with it i mean if anything yeah. the mafia was invested of this city thriving because if the city disappears they disappear right right yeah and that actually goes to you know how 
gangs and mobs typically operate. They are, you know, especially in Japan, uh, organized crime isn't so much, you know, we want to do bad things. Like, yeah, they want to do bad things. But a lot of the people who join those gangs are people who don't have a chance to do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of, you know, and same with uh, inner city gangs in the United States. Basically, you join in doing illicit activities because there's no other option. Right. It's, it's, yeah. very, it's very much so an act of like, I need to survive. Like, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like how a lot of media paints it. Like, you know, you do it so you can do bad stuff. No, like you're talking about communities that this, they're, they're working with what they have. And they're just trying to survive day to day. Um, it's a very desperate thing, right? Like you're not doing it because you necessarily want to hurt people or be bad. You're doing it so that you have food on the table, so that you have a community. Yeah, because oftentimes they also do it for that too. They want community because they feel like everything else in their life, whether it be at the school, the system, or any or whatever has failed them so they look to the nearest thing that could offer them like that chance to maybe somehow thrive yeah right? mm -hmm. speaking of communities to help you thrive how about that beastman cult oh okay <laughs> that transition was really good <laughs> it was um that cult first of all so i'm just gonna say it like i don't like nazana didn't like her she made me very angry i know she's a teenager she made me real angry but like respect for her going in and becoming the leader of a cult i wanted to be nazana when i was in high school okay yeah i, I mean she's pretty cool looking i mean and also the way she kind of like the the weird logic she gave Michiro about why she's a cult leader. It's like, remember when I wanted to be an idol? I wanted people to pay attention to me. Well, it's like the same yeah. thing, except it's a cult. <laughs> she didn't say it like that, but it sounded like that to me. I forgot that her literal example was like, well, I couldn't be an idol, so I became a cult leader instead. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, oh I mean i love i, just I feel love that's that's kind of it. some commentary there on the idol industry i guess i mean <laughs> it did it did actually feel kind of like a jab because like i mean idols in japan are kind of treated like these perfect almost godlike you know when when fans treat them almost godlike characters when they're actually just very human and very yep. normal they're just putting on a performance so like the fact that nazana literally did do the idol idol to cult leader pipeline <laughs> like yeah i mean this i respect for her i think i i think i struggled with her because i just really like michiru and i don't like to see my two anime girlfriends fighting <laughs> i'm not gonna lie michiru did get on my nerves like in episode 10 because you know, once they found a quote-unquote cure for going wild, uh, Michiru was sort of all in for it, and Shiro got really mad, saying, no, like, I don't want to become human. This cure, quote-unquote, <laughs> is meant to get rid of beast men, like, you know, because yeah. you don't want us to exist. And Michiru, and when, when she was arguing with Shiro, was trying to, like, 
you know, it's like, okay, she's like, but this will stop everyone from going wild. Like, she was trying to give all these logics as to why these men should take this, uh, this quote unquote cure. But it was, it just frustrated me because I'm like, you're, you're really like not listening to Shiro. You're delegitimizing his experiences. And, you know, you're, you're kind of feeding into why he's so distrustful and hateful towards humans, you know, because they don't, humanity does not want these to exist right. you know so she got on my nerves she, she got she got better by the end but yeah. episode right. 10 i was like michiro like you need to stop right now well, even before that even yeah. before that though because when i was what I, I watched this uh show twice over once in japanese once in english and so the second time through so i felt nazna had a point even though she wasn't saying it in the nicest way possible because she's technically right um I went back and when I was watching it the second time through, Michu really did just go off on her own to assume that Nazuna wanted to escape the cult rather than embrace it as their leader. Yeah. Um, and I'd honestly be miffed too about it if I was excited about being like the idol that I've always wanted to be. <laughs> um, yeah. And kind of like just being told, no, you don't, you shouldn't do that. Especially when you're like kind of a uh, teenager that really likes attention. And you know, I I actually think the key word that I have to keep remembering is they're kids. So of of course, of course, like yeah, I think that's actually a really big part of Nazuna's personality is she's very much so a teenager. Um, and to to her credit, yeah, Michiru doesn't. I don't think Michiru ever asked did you want to be a part of this cult? Like, did is this something that you're interested in doing? I don't think she ever actually <laughs> asked Nazna. She does just kind of assume that, oh, Nazna's in with a cult. I've got to save her. <laughs> when, like, Nazna, I mean, up until the very end, Nazna has a pretty okay time in the cult, and then things go very off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Michiru is very much the kind of person who has a strong sense of justice and just goes for it, no questions asked, mm. right? And which, you know, is not always a good thing because, you know, then she's not taking into account how other people are feeling in any given situation. Like, you know, like, and sometimes she can make the wrong call, like what she said earlier to Shiro, you know, she really did hurt Shiro's feelings about, like, curing beast men by making them human right mm. so yeah like she misses the ball at some point but thankfully she does learn but you know she did get on my nerves for a while mm. overall though like i feel the journey both me too and nazana like ultimately the show does become a, a story about me too and nazana right yeah mm. yeah um most importantly, like the writer uh, Nakashima in a interview had apparently said that this is ultimately a story about women's empowerment. And I think it works very well in that regard, yeah. even if it gets messy in sort of how it depicts the um, more, you know, dicey, you know, and complex racial and sexual, you know, sexual or religious uh connotations of you know diversity i felt like at the end it was just really cool 
to one, you know, first see Michiru embrace uh, her own strength, her own power to be the shape-shifting beast man who can just have gorilla arms and, you know, sock a villain in the face or have wings to fly or have cheetah legs to run. Like, embracing that strength is really powerful, in my opinion. And also then you have Nasna who are who is um, just also embracing her identity and this time as an idol. So, you know, yeah. she takes her shape-shifting powers and instead molds herself into exactly who she's always wanted to be. You know, that, that actually, like, that actually is a really powerful way to look at what she's doing because, yeah, she does, I mean... Nazuna knows what she wants and she's gonna get it um and like on that end like it's a pretty admirable trait that like this teenage you know a, a teenager she knows very clearly what she wants um she takes on the identity that she wants and yeah I mean like just rolls with it um it's pretty you know what maybe I don't not like Nazuna <laughs> Maybe I'm actually <laughs> secretly like a Nazana stan, and I'm just keeping myself from that. <laughs> we got merch. Uh, oh, there's merch? Oh, no. <laughs> no. And, and to add to that, I mean, I often wonder how much more powerful I think that message would have been if, um, if that women's empowerment thing was attributed to, like, actual beast like women in the show right mm -hmm. i mean we have michiro and nazuna and they're great in their own right but like but they did become beast like women on accident right they didn't want to become it it just sort of happened due to medical screw up right um mm -hmm. i do wonder like if we had i wish we had more like char characters that we got to see more of that empowerment with like i would have liked more of mari as aside from reminding me that she's a mink you know uh, right I love Mari but you know that's all she's we got, got for she's got a great attitude she does yeah, have yeah. a good attitude but I would I wish we got more of her like instead of her mm -hmm. just showing up sporadically once in a while um, but but yeah like I kind of wish we had more of that that way I think that women's empowerment thing would have come through a lot more especially to folks who are actually been like beast women from the get-go especially since i go back to that episode when you think about like it was predominantly beast women like in mm -hmm. that little mafia that were selling beast children right right and, and how they had to kind of try to work around surviving the shitty patriarchy that it is you know so we don't have much of like a resolution for that that oh there are other beast women out here who are not doing that you know but, but they're doing positive things aside from the mayor right yeah. so yeah like I, I wish we got more of that and damn it, i just want more of Mari. yeah i mean <laughs> i i do like that like in the middle of the final like rising action she is there to remind you that she is a mink <laughs> right. and it's, and it's, it's yeah. very good it kind of breaks up the tension in a really good way because then like I mean the you know the kind of climactic battle happens which like I just have to say 
um, was not expecting Trigger to go so hard and be Trigger in the final action with the whole arc with Alan. But um, yeah, I wish we had more Marie. Like, I like her a lot. She's a good mink. I like that she always hustles. I like that that's her thing is she's just like always hustling. She sells that horse like a box of carrots and cigars and it's very funny <laughs> and, the, and the horse thought it was a, it was full of cigars not carrots it's like wait well did you look at the picture properly i i like i she she is the equivalent of like when you buy something on ebay and the person says it's a photo of a ps4 but you think it's a ps4 and you get it and it's a picture but you paid four hundred dollars that's that's just her personality in a nutshell and it's very good um, but yeah, I do wish that we had a lot more female characters who weren't necessarily villainous or bad, because we really only have the mayor and Marie, and that's, oh, well, and I guess, I guess our two female leads, but like, there's not a whole lot of other uh, characters that get a lot of on, like, a lot of screen time that also kind of, I guess, go with the women empowerment theme, though I do so think that theme is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. so like and this is more of a side character issue you know thought but did you think jackie is a girl or a boy so who's, who's jackie again ja jackie's uh, a little bear oh uh, yeah a okay. little bear catcher bear uh. i i read jackie as being female but in the dub that's not how they gender jackie yeah exactly i was kind of surprised about that Ah, I did not know that. I only watched yeah. it in Japanese, but tell me more. Yeah, in the how, dub, how is the dub? Yeah. In the, I mean, first of all, the dub is good. I actually quite enjoyed it. And the dub, though, Jackie is male. <laughs> like Yeah, they, they distinctly say, oh, yeah, he, he's, you know, like, they, they use male pronouns. Like, huh, wait, I thought Jackie, uh, I, I was coding Jackie as a girl, like, the whole time. Yeah, so is it is it different in the sub is it different in japanese is jackie i believe the sub said uh she her i'm not sure though yeah. I'll, I'll have to actually go back through them i think it was more ambiguous or um, that yeah then to be honest i don't think they ever really have to it's uh i have to go back but i don't think I they mean, ever really refer to their pronouns ever if uh, if jackie wants to be our non-binary genderqueer monarch for anima city I'm here for it because like <laughs> I I thought it was just like I thought Jackie was just cute but it is it is strange that like in the dub when they said he I thought wait I had been reading this character as female it either way is I mean we all know gender's not <laughs> gender's, gender's fake yeah fake. gender is <laughs> a social construct it's a, it's a giant ruse um <laughs> but like I, Jackie is just cute they're just cute and I love them. I like the bob cut. I like that Jackie I like that Jackie is real into having that water purifier. That's the funniest joke in the show. I, I want to give Jackie a slice of bread. Oh my god, when Jackie gets the bread and is like there's two types of crust. <laughs> I, you know, oh, it was I, so heartbreaking. I, I do admire that Jackie is all about that hustle, wanting that water filter business to go through. Oh my god, that's the funniest that's thing. And Michiru's reaction every time is just like, oh, "No, thank you. I don't want this trash water, Jackie." 
Or sometimes I'm it's like, you're still on this funny. water filter business. It's like, listen, she's re- she really wants to make it work. Or they want to make it work. Yeah, it's like this is two. That was two episodes ago, Jackie. Come on. (laughs) You know, we've moved on. Move along at the pace of the plot. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and I, I just like because Jackie shows up in like the last two episodes, and it's very funny. It's very funny. Mm -hmm. That's Um, a real line, though. It's just like anyone who feeds us food is a god. I'm like, you know what, Jackie? You're right. I yeah. I big man. Jackie being so devout to like food, I feel you, Jackie. I understand too. <laughs> I get it. It's it's a theme. Speaking of last two episodes, can we really just quickly address the way that like Trigger let this entire anime go off the rails with the fact that Alan is a, a beast man and pure blooded too? Because Alan <laughs> yeah. made sure to remind us, oh, I... I'm not just a beast man. I am pure blooded, not like you. I screamed. <laughs> I screamed. I was. <laughs> I yeah no that really was the low point for me in this entire show. I um I like for me I was frustrated because I was like oh you're bringing in that whole annoying conversation about racial purity. It oh, well so and like so, yeah. so like from the first moment he showed up like anyone who's seen Promare he looks like a character in Promare but like just the thinner version of him and i was like oh yeah okay alan's gonna be i know what character he's gonna be and but then i didn't expect that like he's actually a beast man twist (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i i I have to say like if if i had to say one thing i really didn't like i would have liked for him to just be a really bad human like he's just a really greedy human who wants to eradicate this group of people the whole fact that he's a beast man and he was like, I only want the pure bloods. Like, this Draco Malfoy looking guy made me so angry <laughs> when he said and, that. And it, like, and it frustra- and it's frustrating, too, because the, his whole bullshit on racial purity or pure bloodlines mm-hmm. really goes back into, like, real world issues. Like, there were, there were legit real like policies anywhere in the world you look into about wanting to whiten the race you know right i mean like that's that's still a thing right now like there's definitely like that's still a huge thing right now right yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah like it was frustrating like and i also wasn't comfortable that they let him go like even though Mm -hmm. like he lost the fight and lost the will for now that's not to say he's not gonna get I don't know. He's not going to want to do this again later, you know. Well, and it it was just it was just so late in the game to introduce this plot element. Like we are at the end of the series. Trigger, could you have foreshadowed this a little bit, please? Because I I I was trying to think, and I'm may, maybe I'm just a bad viewer, but I couldn't think of anything that foreshadowed this happening. Only thing was when he drank the um the beastman drink. Uh, when he first arrives in Anima City and said, like, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, can't drink this. But, like, you know, um, that was, like, the only thing that you could possibly pick up on, and that's only with a second viewing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that would be very true, wouldn't it? But as far as um, how he's defeated, though, I felt it was very poetic um, that his in you know he's he starts going into berserker mode too because of the stress that he's he's feeling and being challenged by shiro and it's i felt 
there was some poeticism in him being saved from being like you know completely going berserk by having to have mixed blood in him himself by you know shiro forcing him to bite down on his blood to be administered the um his you know his immunity yeah it it actually i actually really liked it because for all his pomp like ultimately in the end alan needs the beastmen that we have and the beastmen that exist today to save him like that because otherwise he assumably had Shiro not have stepped in he would have gone crazy and he would have died probably he would have you know that would have gotten to a point where like maybe something lethal would have happened but ultimately yeah like you know he's talks he, he spends the entire fight talking down to Shiro and guess who you need in the end it was it was actually really quite good like I quite liked I quite like that resolution. And I also like the fact that uh Shiro like Shiro's howl was the one that was also able to kind of calm the beast people down until the other like vaccine to cure them of their actual like them going wild was administered. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know like maybe it was explained and I missed it cuz everything in the show happens too fast. But uh <laughs> it it was um but I felt it was kind of poetic because Shiro has spent like over a thousand years like protecting beastmen from oppression and violence. Um, and because of that, he's like worshipped as a god. I mean, he never goes out of his way to like reveal who he is to beastmen until now. I assume they know he's the real deal. But, you know, I think that there's like a legacy there and that resonates with a lot of the beastmen in the city, right? that mm. because he's been a force that's like been made to protect them like it's only natural i guess his howl would like calm them down you know yeah that's how i read that at least i'm not sure if that's right so i mean you know i i, I think we've we've all said it's it gets messy at points but i really did like the ending like it really it, I mean, whether you want to talk about like the animation being just simply sublime, like yep. oh, God, Alan, Alan looks like is just the most beautiful three-headed wolf I've ever seen. So can I also say, I'm plural by the way, which means like I I use I, use I program pronouns, but like I also go by we sometimes, and we got three cats in this head, and I'm like, yes, give us that. It was like Alan Alan might have been my final conversion to me being like, you know what? After a decade of saying no, I'm saying yes to the fur. Like <laughs> that I'm just I'm gonna just like I'm just gonna own up to it. Like this is a part of me. Cause it Alan just looks so cool. For me it was Shiro. He's tired like me, therefore we connect in that way. Mm-hmm. If if we're talking about faves, uh, honestly, I I just love the bird himbo, Pinga. I okay. I, I just Pinga. have to I just have to say everyone in this series was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Inexplicably, everyone. I was like, they're either cute or hot. Like it's everyone, everyone, every animal, every human. Good lord, what do I do? So, uh, as much as I'd like to keep talking, we are hitting about the hour mark, and okay. we we should, like, start cutting this up. So, I wanted to go into final thoughts. Um, 
you know, so let's let's talk a little bit about what really makes this uh, story special and, you know, how do you recommend it to folks? Um, I'll go first in saying that I honestly really love this series. It surprisingly was one of my, like, go, I, I, I've watched it twice. It's that good. I've recently commissioned a three-headed fursona of myself because I am just inspired by Nazana. And I will have this up for the podcast when it goes up online, probably. Please do. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, as for me, I had a good time. I mean, despite the mixed messaging, it's it was a fun series. I was able to binge it really quickly. And normally, it takes me a while to finish anything, right? But this was a lot of fun. I mean, all the characters were really vibrant. They're memorable. They're colorful. The music is great. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's nothing about the series I don't like. And I definitely would recommend it to folks. But I would, I guess I would definitely give them trigger warnings about a lot of the real world messaging in the series and the mixed messages as well. I mean, that's, that's valid, especially if like a lot of those me- mixed messages are hella uncomfortable for whoever decides to watch it. Oh, and a little bit of mild gore, I guess. Because it does get gory at times. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay, yeah, it does. I don't remember. Everything happened so fast. I watched twice. Oh, yeah, there we go. (laughs) That's what happened. Yeah, I mean, I I think I kind of echo a lot of y'all's sentiments. Like, I just, I really liked it. It was very fun. I found it really optimistic, which I think, like, if there's any anime someone's gonna watch during like summer or any time during 2020, BNA is just really optimistic, and it and it doesn't it doesn't let Michiru get away with you know the assumptions and stereotypes that she has about Beastman. It it does actually kind of address it in I feel like a pretty realistic way. Um, it's you know it's messy, but like I love mess, so I mean. <laughs> It's 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 a pretty easy recommend for me. It's really it's just really good. It was unexpected. Um I don't think I expected to like it as much as I did, but I it's all I've been able to think about for the past few days. It's just really good. It's definitely worth it if you need some hope, if you need some optimism. It really like just does it. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I will take us off from there. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to this, folks. Uh, if you liked what you did, what we did here, please check us out for more at uh, www.animefeminist.com or follow us on social media at, at @animefeminist on Twitter, anafem animefem on Facebook, and animefeminist on Tumblr. And if you would like to help us continue publishing all this great content, consider supporting our Patreon at Anime Feminist. Your monthly support goes towards not only paying for our site, but our editors and contributing writers. Even a, do- even a dollar goes a long way for us, but if you're interested, we do have a $5 tier that gives you access to our Discord server, wherein I scream about my fursona at 2 a.m., so you should really <laughs> consider joining. 
You might think, wow, a Discord server full of feminists critiquing anime, but really, it's mostly a wholesome community of nerds screaming about animated butts, having Shira watching longs, and uh, planning Animal Crossing swap meets. So, yeah, we'd love to have you there. And uh, with that, uh, we'd like to sign off. Uh, thank you for listening.